Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. That's really something that shaped how I see leadership now. It's fostering that environment in which people can collaborate. The moment I, it became more about collaboration, it became less about me. That's when I started to get also really good feedback on my leadership. Today, I'm joined by Ulrike Just. Having begun her career in consulting, Ulrike is now the Managing Director of Keon ITS UK and Ireland one of the world's leading suppliers of industrial trucks and supply chain solutions. Ulrika joins us today to share her insight as a leader on The Human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Ulrika. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, very excited. Very excited to be with you uh, today, Amy, because I think uh, lots of topics that are very near and dear to my heart. So I'm very much looking forward to the discussion and the conversation we're going to have. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to it. So can you tell us a little bit about Keon and as as an organization, what you're working towards, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, as you say, I'm working for Kion, uh, Kion Industrial Trucks and Services, and um, that's an organization that combines three market-leading forklift brands, um, Linde, Still, and Baoli, and combines it under uh, one umbrella. And I'm I'm not sure, Amy, if you're terribly familiar with forklifts. Many people are not, but uh, forklifts are really quite fascinating pieces um, of equipment. Uh, what we often say is that forklifts are kind of the Swiss army knives of intralogistics because they are super versatile vehicles and you can you can use them for millions of, of different applications. Okay. So as an, as an organization, um, our, our motto is really, we, we keep the world of material running. And I think that's, that's exactly what we're working towards. And we, we really saw the importance of our business during the pandemic because, you know, our, our trucks, our business was, was really crucial in making sure that people still got their groceries, still got their supplies. Um, but we also were very involved in, you know, um, warehouses that were dealing with vaccines and, and all the, the, the medical equipment. Uh-huh. And, um, and, you know, our, our engineers, our employees, they were super, super passionate about that that purpose. And we had service technicians, you know, they were they were camping in their camper vans at customer sites in order to make sure that the equipment kept running. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it it's really something that we're passionate about, and that that means something to us. Yeah, absolutely. Do we want me? Yeah. So I, I still have a couple of things about what the brand stands for. Um, it's, it stands for performance, versatility, user friendliness, and robustness. But there are two things that are very meaningful for me, and that's passion and that's trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the on the passion side, it's really again you may not be familiar with forklifts, but many of our employees and again our customers are super passionate about this. So you have kind kind of people of uh, forklifts tattooed on their arms and something like that. <laughs> Yeah, not thought of it in the when you use the, the Swiss Army knife analogy. So obviously, I'm aware of forklifts. I know that yeah. they exist. I've not necessarily spent that much time around them, but now I think about it, the Swiss Army knife is a it's a great analogy for what they do. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty. Um, it's it, it just shows how versatile that stuff is. So. Yeah, yeah. Not maybe not to the extent for me that I would get a tattoo, but I, I, I see the value. <laughs> it's I see very beautiful, you know. <laughs> And so as, as a leader of that kind of organization, having gone through sort of the, the pandemic and obviously yeah. the state in its life cycle that it is, what kind of challenges are you up against as a leader of that organization at the moment? 
you know, at the moment, it's super hard <laughs> really to be in any industry that produces real stuff yeah? because you have um, material challenges, mm -hmm. you have component challenges, and you have cost challenges. Uh -huh. uh, um, so uh, what we're really facing at the moment is, is um, the, the challenge to simply get our hands on the stuff that we need to produce forklifts okay. and keep our, our production running. And on the other hand, we also have the challenge that prices are just mm -hmm. exploding prices for everything pricing for metal has sometimes doubled since since the last year um pricing for transport pricing for energy but also mm -hmm. pricing for labor especially in the brexit scenario so we are in the scenario where where we really need to you know on the one hand um, make sure that we still can keep production running and deliver stuff to our customers but we also need to deal with that situation where we we have constantly increasing prices um, and, and costs for our own ingredients. And we need to see, you know, how we can pass that on to customers so that we can safeguard our, our operation and that we can ensure that we can still deliver to customers. And uh, thankfully here, the whole company is really pulling together. Everybody is, is trying super hard um, and, and living up to these challenges. But yeah, you, you just feel like you're in this constant struggle from getting out of COVID and then the next thing is supply chain challenges and then it's uh, it's Ukraine crisis. So you're just uh, going from one crisis to the next. Yes, absolutely. One of, the CEO, one of the CEOs I spoke to recently described it as driving a Formula One car really fast, but driving it in fog. So you can't see where you're going, but you have to go there quickly. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> It's a little bit like that. And you're just like, yeah, you're just pricing mo crisis mode has become a, a, a permanent thing. Kind yes. Of. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so that must have an impact on, on your people, but you mentioned everybody's pulling together. Does that, it comes back to the passion for the product, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I have to say, I'm really so proud of my organization because they went through that perfect storm last year where we had, um, on the on one hand, obviously in COVID, we we cut some cut some people. At the same time, then um, we've had that explosion in demand that we were seeing. We had uh, a little bit of a reorganization because we were pulling on the Linda side together a lot of the, the 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 regional departments into one thing. So it was this perfect storm, um, and and people were handling it so so well with so much passion and so much uh, um, yeah. Yeah, spirit of collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, they were really doing well. So I was very, very proud of them. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and can you talk to us about your journey into leadership then? So obviously, <laughs> earlier in your career, you worked for BCG. Uh, it is. Group, but how did you how did you get started in leadership? Were you always sort of, did you have your eye on the the seat at the table or was it something that happened organically? Um, I, I think, you know, when I was like uh, still a child, I, I was always, you know, I grew up in, in the countryside in a village. So even when I was relatively small, I was always like leading the, the gang of village kids and we were organizing theaters and sports events and, and everything. So I always had a lot of fun in that. Yeah. Um, but I think then early in my career, when I was a consultant or in, in investment banking or private equity, my focus was really a lot more on that individual contributor. I, I really enjoyed my analytics, my Excel sheets. I could get lost in my Excel sheets for, for hours and, and days. And I was really just more interested in you know finding the solution. I was less interested in doing something with it. Uh -huh. And I think I really reconnected with my 
passion for leadership while I was at the Harvard Business School because there it became very clear for me, you know, finding the solution, that's yeah. 5%. But then the rest of it is really creating the leader, the, the engagement behind it, creating a followership, like really making sure that that you execute on that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen that, like, I had kind of not engaged really with these 95% of, of really changing the world. Um, and so I got really interested in, you know, high performance teams and um, in all that stuff. Um, but then getting started as a leader, I think I was like super bad leader actually, <laughs> because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's um, if, if you're still very insecure in yourself, and you still always have this feeling, whatever you do is not enough. Yeah, you're not performing enough. You're not like, mm-hmm. th- then you also, or not you, but I was definitely projecting that also on my team. Okay. So whatever my team was did was not enough. Yeah, they okay. didn't go fast enough. They didn't go far enough. They So it was, I was projecting my own insecurities on my team. And that made me extremely controlling and, you know, um, just driving them too hard all the time and, it wasn't, um, yeah, I, I wasn't really, it, I think it was probably not too nice to work for me, <laughs> I have to say. And I think that that really only changed when I became more confident in my, my own abilities. And mm. when I switched my mindset from looking at the vision and then always looking at seeing like people were not living up to it, um, I, I really started more looking from, hey, what's actually already there? What can I work with? What can I appreciate with? And how can I then build from what's already there? And so yeah. really shifting that mindset was kind of quite important. Yeah. And, and then I think also other other things um, built it. I, I was really um, yeah, starting to look a lot into leadership literature and, and building my knowledge and understanding. And there was also one thing that really became very important for me, and that was this um appreciation for the value of collaboration mm-hmm. i don't know i mean if you have seen that uh, study that the mit did on on team performance it's quite interesting because they they did an experiment where they put different teams together and gave them really hard problem to solve and um previously they measured what's the iq of people and what's what's their eq and how were they collaborating and what i would have always thought is that those people that have the most intelligent person in the team would do best, yeah, or had the highest average IQ or had the most people with high IQ. But mm-hmm. none of that is true. Mm-hmm. The teams that were most successful were really the ones that collaborated in the best way and made sure that they created a culture in which everybody can have a voice and which everybody can really bring in their ideas. These are the teams that are most successful. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really something that shaped how I see leadership now. It's really like fostering that environment in which people can collaborate. And I think the moment I it became more about collaboration, it became less about me, about my mm-hmm. success. That's when I started to get also really good feedback on my leadership and the impact I could have on people. Right. And, th- and that's the lesson you only need to learn once as well, isn't it? You know, there's no going back from learning. No, once you once you realise that, that's, yeah. you know. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. And and so you spoke about collaboration and be able to, being able to create followership and selling the vision, but how would you define a great leader? Are there characteristics that you think all great leaders need or is yeah. it case by case? Or? No, I think that I would say there are a couple of um, a couple of things that that every leader needs, and I think the the really most important one for me, the basis for everything as a leader, is that you have humbleness. Mm-hmm. 
humbleness and, and real interest in your people because a lot of leaders think, oh, you know, I, I now earned it. I, I've become manager. I've become CEO. I earned the, the corner office and I earned this big car and everything. And I think that's when leadership falls short in the first place. It's, it's really, as a leader, you, it must not be about you and your success. It must be about yeah. this, this serving attitude. What can I do for my people? Yeah, how can I help them to become the best version of themselves? And it's it's that mindset you need to adopt as a good leader. Mm-hmm. I think the, the second characteristic is that you need to be really, really willing to listen. I think there are a lot of leaders who said, you know, I'm I've been so successful in my life. I know best. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where things go wrong. You always need to be willing to listen to your people and listen to their ideas and listen to their perspective. Absolutely. I think the third one is um, is really courage, um, because I've seen too many leaders who are not willing to make a decision, and that by itself creates a lot of confusion in your organization. It creates a lot of damage, actually, because it creates that congestion of, of unresolved problems. Uh-huh. And I think the first one is you need to have the diligence um, to, to drive execution, because that's also a lot of leaders, oh, I do the strategy and I do the vision and so on, but then they never get down to the hard business of following up and executing, and that's when you never get to where you really need to be with your team. Absolutely. And I think that links back to the courage. That that links back to number three, doesn't it? Especially at the moment when you can, you know, nobody knows what's coming over the horizon, but you have to act and you have to make a decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and so does your, does your approach to leadership, is that based on an experience that you had in the past beyond the, the time at Harvard? Is there a piece of advice that someone's given you or an experience that you had that sort of really shaped and solidified your approach to leadership? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a lot of like just like looking around, learning from, from bosses you have, learning from the good and the bad. <laughs> but I think one of the things that really shaped me as a leader was, um, and, and it's it's really honestly the most cheesy line and everybody tells you that but it's so true and that is really to to dare to be yourself mm-hmm. because i had had one boss and he told me once straight to my face he said you know Enrique, i think you're you're really trying to be somebody who you're not you're trying to play a role and it's not working i mean be yourself and it, it was very true because you know i come from a blue color background i had no idea how to behave in this like corporate like CEO whatever environment so I was I had these like blueprints of like how you should behave and what you should do and what you should say and I I was trying to adhere to that Um, but then he was quite right because I was like so preoccupied with all that stuff that I didn't really it wasn't authentic it wasn't Uh limiting a lot of the energy I had and the power and um when he told me that, I was like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess he's right. So <laughs> then let's, <laughs> if it's not working, I mean, then I can as well try to well, be me. And, yeah, um, yeah. and, and that's what I, that's what I did. And I think that's very liberating because mm-hmm. you suddenly don't have to think so much about all that stupid stuff anymore. And you can focus on what matters, but at the same time, you also allow the people around you to be more of what they are. Uh-huh. And so how did you do that? So if that was when you had that realization, what was the first thing that you did to become more authentic and, and just be yourself? 
You know, I, I just started to share a lot more about my my private life, also to be, be seen as more of that round person. Mm-hmm. But I was also very honest with people around, you know, what are the things I'm good at and what are really the things I, I suck at? Because okay. <laughs> um, I think we, we all are none of us is perfect. None of us yeah. has everything. No. So it's, uh, I think it's very okay if you admit to things you can't do that well. And, you know, this is where I need your help. This is where I need yeah. your feedback. This is where you compliment me with your skills um, mm-hmm. and your skill set. Um, and yeah, I think just really becoming very comfortable with who you are, who you not are, um, and and just talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's real power about, in the vulnerability. Yeah, and, and also talk about things where you're not cool. <laughs> I'm not yeah. cool in a lot of things. So, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, <laughs> so beyond that advice, because that's fantastic advice in terms of people, everybody says, just be yourself, just be yourself. But actually, the, there's no substance behind that. Often you yeah. hear that soundbite and you don't hear how to just be yourself or what that first step is. So that is really good advice. And thank you for sharing it. Sure. But beyond that advice, is there anything that you would share to someone that was just about to take a step in, up into a leadership role? Or Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's quite related to that. Um, and I think what's, what's really important as, as leaders is um, to, see our people as people and not as resources. Yeah. I think there are, again, and I've, I've certainly been there myself, it's it's easy to see the people working for you just as in their functional role. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is somebody who does marketing. This is somebody who does sales mm-hmm. um, rather than seeing them as as full human beings and, and really take interest in their professional life, but also in, in their private lives. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much power in really really being interested in the guys and and listening to what they have to say because you learn so much about you know what other ambitions do they have what other aspects are there to their personalities and we have Mm -hmm. very often here i have guys working in a workshop where as a service technician but then you find out oh in their in their private life they're they're coaching an entire football team or they are um they're doing all these amazing things um and, and so you see so much more of their potential but also their humanity what they deeply care about mm-hmm. and i think that yeah that that helps you to to help them more to to really have the impact they want to have and mm-hmm. um, it, it allows you to see potential where they maybe don't see potential and you can mm-hmm. help them to grow um so it's i think it's it's the most powerful thing if as a leader you're you're truly interested in your people yeah, absolutely. And that fosters authenticity as well, doesn't it? If you're interested in your people and they feel as though there is an interest in them, that encourages them to be more authentic at work and then yeah. you know, snowball effect effectively. Allow them to feel their, bring their full self to work. I think that's, yes. that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we realise it now ourselves if, if we have bosses that take an interest in us, that know who our families are or know what, we, what we're passionate about. That's mm-hmm. very powerful. Absolutely. Very motivating. Absolutely. And are, are there leaders that you've sort of come across, so famous or otherwise, past or present, are there leaders that you particularly admire? And if so, what is it about them? Yeah, I think uh, what I always admire most is um, is people who who get this kind of group of more, more underdogs together, allow, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, allow them to see their potential, allow them to see that together they can be more than 
their individual parts and and lead them lead them to something mm-hmm. and um i think there are two leaders and probably you have never heard of them but i i think they're quite quite interesting one of them is actually a um gymnastics coach <laughs> so she's a <laughs> she's a gymnastics coach for a usa college team mm-hmm. And you probably don't know a lot about gymnastics. Very few people do. But gymnastics, uh, I did it as a, as a child a lot. Um, it's a very restrictive sport and that's sometimes very often also quite an abusive sport. Uh, and um, so she, she gets a lot of these like elite gymnasts that come out of that system that kind of almost broke them. And she really takes them and allows them to find back their voice and their individuality and very often also the joy in in the sports again and um at the same time while she awakens that she creates teams that are enormously successful so i think for me that's quite fascinating how you um how you create that environment of that that allows people to to yeah truly be themselves mm-hmm. but at the same time channeling that into great success yeah. So that's that what she does. And then another guy that came to my mind is is a is a relatively recent um guy. I don't know if you have seen the Netflix documentation 14 Peaks. Um it's about have you seen list. it? It's on my list. It's on my list. Yeah. Well, actually the movie isn't so good. Um okay. but the guy himself is super impressive. I mean, it's a he's a he's a Sherpa mm-hmm. who served in the British Army and so on, and he decided that he wants to break the record on um, climbing all the 14 peaks above yes. 8,000 mm-hmm. within, I think he set himself the target of seven months. Previously, he's the work world record was at, at seven years. So yeah. he's, he's really crazy. Mm-hmm. But he also had that vision to use that in order to evaluate, um, elevate the whole Sherpa community. Because as you know, Sherpas are always like the happy helpers mm-hmm. of the real heroes, which are the Western climbers. Mm-hmm. And, and so he his mission was also, okay, I really need to like elevate these guys. I need to give them a voice. I need to give them the recognition that they deserve mm-hmm. actually. And so, yeah, he, he created that team, super high performance team. They, they smashed it. They took them six months and six wow. days, I think, to climb all the uh, 8,000s of the world. And um, I think what fascinated me in, in him was um, he obviously had that vision. He could rally people behind that vision, but he was also always going first. He was always the one working hardest. He was mm-hmm. always the one like setting the examples and not hiding behind his his team, letting others do the work. He really mm-hmm. led from the front. And I think that was quite quite exciting as well. Yeah, one achievement as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, mind blowing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So the reason I've not got to that Netflix documentary is because I'm reading quite a lot at the moment, but it right. is definitely on my list. I've seen it and I think, yeah, it looks, <laughs> looks fantastic, but I will. Maybe then if you like to rather read, um, he has a book which is called Beyond Possible, okay. where, uh, which I think is actually more interesting than the film because the film just gives you that little glimpse, but the, the book really gives you the the sense of, you know, uh, yeah, how he thinks about it, how he plans it, how he does it. Okay, brilliant. Thank you for that. Thank you. And that leads me very neatly onto my next question. So, <laughs> I'm honestly done. I'm always really, really interested in what leaders are, are reading because obviously I read myself, but I think it's great to get a perspective on, you know, what you're reading or what you're listening to from a podcast perspective. Yeah. So what what would you recommend people 
are reading that are either in leadership roles or that are looking to get into leadership positions? Do you have any other recommendations? Oh, I have I have tons of uh, books. I mean, I, I also love to read, but I also have to say that I'm reading a lot of just novels, historical novels and stuff. Good for you. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a very good way to, you know, Switch get off. into another world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you obviously far more interested in, in leadership, um, in leadership literature. And um, I think I have probably like five books or something like that, that are really the basis of, okay. of all my leadership. Because I have two books from um, a guy who you probably know uh, very well. It's uh, Patrick Lencioni. I don't know oh, how yes. to pronounce it. Yes. I have uh, Getting Naked is on my bookshelf just here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So I haven't read that one, so probably I have to. Um, but the one, the two ones that I really love is, um, so the, the first one is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm-hmm. So I really use that with my leadership team. You know, every half year we see, like, where do we stand? What do we, where do we stand on the five dysfunctions? What right. do we still need to do in order to overcome them and become better as a team? Mm-hmm. So very, very impactful on my thinking mm-hmm. um, and the other book from him that I really love is uh, the truth about employee engagement okay. so, <clears throat> very simple framework but but very easy to implement as well so that's a really good one yeah um, then what else do I have um, one book that is called first break all the rules um, okay. by a guy called um, Marcus Buckingham and that one is really about how every employee has a talent but talent for him is really the filter through which you see the world and he says there's i mean you can only train people so far your job as a leader is really to identify like what what fits perfectly to to a person that's your job like to really combine the unique talents of people with with roles and that's when magic happens so it's Mm -hmm. quite an interesting that does sound like a good read yeah, no, that's definitely a good one. Um, then I have two more. Um, one is Execution from Ram Charan. And um, he talks a lot about um, what I also said before, that we as, as leaders, we're often very focused on strategy and vision and so on. And he says, you know, the, the real value, the real differentiation of, of companies and is in how well they translate these strategies and execution into, yes. into real actions. Uh-huh. And then the last one is from one of my Harvard professors, Clayton Christensen, and it's called How How Will You Measure Your Life? And mm-hmm. he uses uh, business theory um, and applies it to your life. So there are exciting things like uh, what jobs did you hire your partner for? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> it has a very, uh, lots of very interesting perspectives on uh, yeah. how to get your best life. Uh, I'm not sure my husband would relish me reading that one, but it does sound like an interesting. <laughs> no, it does make a lot of sense because you realize why you, yeah, why did you pick your husband for? Yeah? Yeah. Is it uh, is it for financial stability? Is it for emotional support? Is it yeah, what are, is it for an adventurous lifestyle? What is it really uh-huh. that you that you were expecting, and is it still aligned with your expectations? No? That sounds interesting. I will I'll give them all a look eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I do genuinely I love understanding what people are, are reading and, and taking value from, you know, what they've taken from those those books. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. And and so what's on your desk at the moment? What's going to be happening over the next six, nine, twelve months that you can share with us with Inkyo? 
<laughs> yeah, so um, obviously we will spend a lot of time uh, in uh, managing through that uh, delivery situation, the cost situation. Um, but what's what's really most important for me is is creating that whole culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that culture of collaboration, um, but also, you know, I think... Um, one of the things I'm again since uh, since HBS, where I had a professor who was very um, very passionate about creating good working cultures for blue collar workers. And you mm-hmm. know, in my business, I have a lot of a lot of service technicians, a lot of workshop engineers, a lot of manual labor um, people. And and for me, it's really about like how can we create the best working environment for them? Yeah, how mm-hmm. how can we create a working environment where they feel really proud of what they're doing every day? And, and they're doing amazing things. They, you know, they they keep things running. They're fixing things. They're providing amazing customer service. So how can we how can we instill that pride, that that passion in them for the great stuff that they're doing? Fantastic. And and how how are you doing that? Or is that the, that's the next challenge for you to overcome? Um, so on the one hand, we are investing a lot in um, in training their leaders um, mm-hmm. yeah, to uh, some of the principles of uh, the truth about employee engagement and yeah, making sure they um, they communicate to them like how their job creates value, but also having that personal interest in them. Um, we invest a lot in into, you know, extra mile awards, which is really a, seeing when people are doing great things and appreciating mm-hmm. it. Um, we are training people as well into this, um, into this mindset of whenever they, whenever they meet with their employees saying, asking them, you know, how can I help you to do your job better? Mm -hmm. Like really, you know, because often it's as leaders, we have this, oh, I know best how they need to do their job. And that's actually not fully right. They doing it every day. They know best what would help them to do yes. their job better or easier or more comfortably or whatever. Um, so it's it's really this instilling that mindset in people that a lot of the answers are with the people who are actually doing the job. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need just to ask. Yes. And so uh, in a lot of the, the working groups and a lot of the projects we're setting up, we, we're really making sure that these projects are really done by people who do the job Mm-hmm. and are experts in this yes um, yeah i think it's an important distinction to make as well because i think the the pandemic because everybody's been sort of 200 miles an hour for the last yeah. two and a half years those roles may well have changed in that time where people have gone through and managed crises and they've had to work smarter or harder or quicker and so that role may well have changed well you've you know you've not been lucky or you've not been able yeah. to you're not dealing with the crisis yourself. I think it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, I've I've just seen that you know, um, having been a management consultant myself, mm-hmm. very often you just don't have a full understanding of what's going on and why KPIs are as they are and mm-hmm. why why things are difficult to implement. And so it's it's really really good to again listen to people who who are doing it and experiencing it on a day to day basis because absolutely. they they usually know best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sending that message out to them is it must be empowering as well. Yeah. yeah so that's uh, that's what we that's what we're doing. It's it's not so tangible stuff. It's really a lot about like the mindset change. It's mm-hmm. about like how we speak to people, how we inform them, yeah. um, how we see them, how we appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. 
That's great. Ulrika, I really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you for sharing. It'd be great to to keep in touch and see how, how all of that works out. Well, hopefully well, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been great to speak with you. Yeah, and I would really love to hear about your reading list because I'm sure I can uh, learn a lot from that one as well. Yes, I'll, I'll put one together and reflect on that. And Perfect. Share a couple of emails. Thank you. Thank you so much. So,